Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Will. The pretty one. The pretty Clearly. one. <laughs> Speaking of, how's it going, guys? We hanging in there? <laughs> I'm surviving. Uh, you know, just over a month of being jobless. Yeah. Which isn't bad, but it isn't great. But I need a job because I don't want to be around my kids all day anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's interesting when you go from being at a place and then being at home all day when you're never spend that much time with people. It took a while to get mm-hmm. used to that. All four of us being in the house. But uh good luck, man. I hope you find some soon. Thanks. A lot of it is I'm a new dad. There's a lot of adjustment periods going on. And so that is what's getting everybody, but it's starting to smooth out recently. And I'm just like, I'll take it. I'll take Mm -hmm. it. Like, this is nice. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're actually, this episode is, we're just recording an introduction to an episode. Actually, we did an interview with um, Mary Robinette Kowal a little bit earlier today. Uh, And that's what we're introing today. I know Nick, you've listened to it. Unfortunately, you were not present. During the interview, how do you feel about that? I impromptu Nick interview. I I feel good about it. Um, the, the the interview is spot on. I think a lot of it has to do with one the professional Mary Robinette, and then the willingness for her to open up on a lot of the things. Um, so I I feel like it was spot on. It is emotional though. There's some moments in in. Don't spoil this it. Interview where I choked up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew. I knew what was what Nick she is, was saying. I identified with Nick is the king of oversharing. Before <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> okay. which which actually it we may have worked about. out okay that he wasn't there. <laughs> We'd <laughs> probably still be in that interview. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is true too. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I. Oh. So I don't know how much housekeeping we want to do up front here because I want people to get right into the interview, but um, we should, I think at least chat about why we have her on in particular right now. Cause we don't get that into that until towards the end of the interview. So will, do you want to tackle that particular aspect of it? Why we wanted to have her on? Yeah. Why we're interviewing her in the first place. <clears throat> well, she has a new book release called relentless moon that comes out um, on uh, July 14th, I believe. So when you're hearing this, it will be um, this coming Tuesday when you listen to yeah. this episode, if you listen to before with the 14th. Yeah. Um, and we're, we were lucky enough to get about 50 minutes of her time to chat with her about uh, her Lady Astronaut series, about her career, um, and really uh, leading up to these really cool events that she has as well that um, are going to be around her virtual book release, uh, which we'll put a link in the show notes to her website so you can check all that out as well. It's a fun interview. And I can't wait for everyone to listen to it because the interviewing skills that we deliver are on point. And I have to, I, I have to put this disclaimer. The only time she had available was the, in my head, the crack of dawn, my time. Uh, and I was barely awake, but I, I managed to wake up enough to, yeah, you to killed hold it. my own. Yeah, you killed you. it. I started yeah. it. And then you started to jump in as you became more lively. Well, the coffee kicked in about half hour in. I was like, okay, I'm awake now. Here we go. But, but let's be <laughs> honest over here. Well, you're very structured with your interview questions as opposed to the way we have done it before where it was like, we want to talk about this, but this is also free game. Right. Um, and where we've had authors kind of go off tangent a lot. And I do want to talk about that too. We do have another interview. The next episode we're going to be releasing is a wonderful interview we did um, a week or so ago with Maurice Broadus as well. Um, so you have that to look forward to as well. We are working on doing more interviews. So if you like uh, this type of format, if you like uh, us interviewing authors, which I hope you do because everybody wants to hear from their favorite authors, um, maybe we can give folks a heads up in our Discord and that kind of thing. Um, and we can get some community questions or something too in the future. about. And if anyone with the Maurice um, episode that's going to come out, if anyone wants to read his great middle grade book called The Usual Suspects, yes. we really kind of dive deep into talking about it. Um, it is a fun read. 
that everyone should just listen to. Absolutely. And speaking of, um, I guess minor, there's really not, there's some minor spoilers in this episode. So I guess we should give that disclaimer um, for her lady astronaut series. We do talk about the uh, faded sky for the most part, but we do touch on calculating stars as well. So if you haven't read those two books, um, check them out either way, but we don't give away too much at, uh, at all, really. So nothing too much to worry about, but keep that in mind. Look, great interview. There's so much knowledge to pull out of it and there's so much to learn from her. She's actually been one of my favorite teachers over the last few years. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just hoping everyone loves it as much as I did. And I wasn't there for it. I probably would have cried a little bit, <laughs> blushed a lot a bit. Um, and, you know, I just enjoy. That said, I think we should probably talk about really quickly. Um, we're going to have some changes to Patreon coming up here. It's just some stuff to think about. Um, so if you're thinking about supporting the show, we are going to work on that as well coming up. Uh, more interviews. Uh, definitely check out social media and all of that kind of stuff. Um, we have links in the show notes to our Twitter page and Instagram. Uh, Will, do you want to reiterate really quick what we're trying to do on Instagram right now? <clears throat> yeah, Instagram, we're doing a book of day, the book of the day where we're going to recommend a book that one of us have read or an upcoming book that we're super excited about. Um, and yeah, you should check it out and like, and if there's any books that are your favorite, you should, uh, you know, go on Instagram, mention it because it could be something that we haven't read that we would really like to read. Absolutely. So, um, anything else before we get into the interview? Um, no, I mean, we have a lot of changes coming, so you guys expect it. It's going to be great. A lot of fun stuff and, happening. And, and we are writing, writing still. And we yeah, are we writing are still. Writing. We're and writing we, a lot. And we still plan on discussing techniques and things like that as well. So, And I think there'll be on. an episode. I, I don't know what the time frame is going to be, but we, there might be one episode in between this interview and the Maurice episode. Um, or are we doing that one after Maurice? No, that one's going to be after Maurice. Okay, got it. So we'll have two interview episodes and then we'll be back with a regular episode and we'll hopefully have some updates for you about Patreon and everything else. So enjoy the interview. Have a great time. So this week we have Mary Robinette Kowal on the show. Welcome to Just Keep Writing. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited. We're very excited to have yeah, you. We are really excited. <laughs> oh, Marshall and Will, I'm so fond of both of you. So it's great to be here. Oh. Yeah, we can't wait to, we were just talking before we started. Um, about hoping to see you all again on the cruise and do that again in the future. Oh, so yeah, I know. We're hoping, fingers crossed for that. In the after times. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> after the pandemic, AF, <laughs> um, in more ways than one. Um, yeah. So, okay, we'll start off with our questions. So describe your writing career in three words. Uh, totally random surprise. Totally random. So let's unpack that for a minute. Um, Why was it totally random surprise? Um, I hadn't planned on having a writing career. I had a very good career in puppetry that I liked a lot and um, had a wrist injury and was out for about two years and uh, simultaneously and also somewhat randomly, my brother I guess it wasn't. He he worked very hard for it, but he got assigned to um, work in China with the State Department and took his kids there. But it was before Skype was a thing. So in order for me to uh, have like I used to read bedtime stories to them. Mm-hmm. So I I started mailing them, uh, sending them a uh, I wrote a serial. And oh, wow. uh, and then was like, well, what do you do with this? And um, the first several stories that I actually managed to sell, um, I felt like I just kind of backed into the story and was like, whoa, hey, that worked. I don't know why. (laughs) 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 Um, And that that this seems to be like it's working and I can reverse engineer and, and tell why it's working. But like. Uh, you know, Calculating Stars was a replacement novel. Um, it was not the novel I had that was originally on on the the, the books. So I wrote it pretty fast uh, and sent it off. And it was 
and liked it, but you know, it was like surprise. <laughs> it's That's a <laughs> and I'm like, That's a nice surprise that? though. I know, it's, but it's, it also, it does kind of feel like why, why this one? And again, I can like reverse engineer it, but it's not something I could have planned for. For sure. So were, um, bu- were books a big part of your childhood? Like, were oh, you yeah. like a voracious reader? Yeah, I was the you know, the, that probably everyone listening to this is is some variant of that kid who walks while reading uh, yeah. into lampposts or, yep, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, like, I, I, I don't have, there's a cereal box. I will read that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And and science fiction and fantasy from the get-go. So that's my next question. So when you were reading science fiction and fantasy, did you feel like you saw yourself in those stories? Like what drew you to those stories? It depends. Um, I mean, I think that our ability to empathize with someone who is not like us is one of the things that makes us most, uh, you know, our best selves as humans. Um, Mm -hmm. So I did see myself in books, even while recognizing that I was not represented that often. Um, The one, the character who probably felt most like me was, uh, was Meg from uh, Wrinkle in Time. I love those books. Um, And I'm terrible at math, (laughs) but I, you know, I had the glasses. I was awkward. Um, I, I had, um, you know, and I, I just, I remember, and I, I also had, I still do, I have a temper that I, I don't always know what to do with. Um, and so I think her struggles were, were incredibly useful for me. And the other one actually is not from science fiction and fantasy, um, but is actually um, from uh, Louisa May Alcott, uh, the old fashioned girl, mm-hmm. uh, was... Like there's so much of that book that I can point at and say, oh yeah, this 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 life decision that I made I made because Polly would have. That's that's something I learned from Polly in that book. Um, so those those are probably two of my really like formative kids books. You know, as as such things go. <laughs> so how did it? Um, once you had like you started reading those books as you got older. How did your taste in stories evolve and change? And like, oh my gosh, I really like that. I want to tell something um, like that. Um, that's a great question. I I'm I think one of the things that happens to a lot of uh, readers as they as they grow up is that you hit college and you don't have time to read. And then you you also you go off to uh, you go off to get a day job and you you don't have time to read. And while that happened to me, the other thing that happened to me was that I started touring with puppet theater. And so you have when you're in the van, you basically have nothing to do but read or talk to your tour partner who you're on the road with for nine months out of the year. So you don't actually talk to your tour partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I didn't have the thing that happens to, I think, a lot of people who are science fiction fans, um, which is that after the hiatus of not being able to, you know, of having no time to read, I think that a lot of people go back to the things that they used to read, which were juveniles. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were not written for their age bracket. And so they read them and they're like, oh, this is not... Eh. Um, and I didn't have that happen. So my stuff kept aging up and evolving. And I feel like that's still happening to me that my tastes get more sophisticated, not in terms of, um, you know, oh, the literary technique, but <laughs> in terms of the flaws that I'm willing to accept in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones that I can see, like, you know, the, the, a lot of the books that I, dearly love i couldn't recommend in good conscience as you know today they were the right book for me at the time but i can see the the societal flaws in them um and there are other books that do the same thing that 
don't carry that damage or baggage. So that's that's the kind of thing that I see uh, changing. And and I I am much more conscious about looking for books from authors who do not share my background and giving those books time um, mm-hmm. rather than saying, oh, this is different and bouncing off of it. Right. I found this um, really interesting. I was listening to a podcast from a, a booktuber was on there and she uh, is white and is from London. And she said, you know, she looked back and she didn't really see like, oh my gosh, I don't really have people who are more unlike me than not. And she's been making like this focus. And to me, like I, and I don't know if it's because of my upbringing, because I grew up like in a very black neighborhood and I'm, you know, I look white. Um, So um, I really, I think always really read unconsciously. Like I would pick up black authors because a lot of my experience as a kid wasn't really transcended in, someone who grew up like in a white middle-class family in like the middle of America. So I always found that kind of like, wow, like we sometimes are really drawn to um, just what we know. And so I've been like on the journey of trying to read all the time what I don't know, or can I see myself in something? Because there's been a lot of times, me, Nick, and Marshall talk about this a lot, of like seeing (laughs) ourselves in something. And the first time you Mm. do, you're like, oh, that can happen. Yeah. Was there a book that you, uh, as an adult, it just like hit you and you were like, it was profound? Oh, um, you mean in terms of, of uh, uh, there, there I am, that's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, The Sun, the Moon, and the Stars by Stephen Bruce. Um, although, again, this is a book I read in college. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, oddly, I've just said that uh, the main pro- the, the protagonist is um, is, is a guy, <laughs> um, but he was an art major, and I read it when I was in college as an art major. And the book takes place from the beginning of the creative process through the end of it, and it deals with the moods that you go through, the um, uh, varying forms of. Depression, uh, uncertainty, self-doubt. Um, and and there's this one line that I remember uh, that I still use when I try to describe what I'm doing, which is that the process of painting was um, long stretches of minutes followed by short bursts of hours. And I'm like, that is how I experience time. And I hadn't seen anyone else talk about about that, mm-hmm. um, that, that experience in a book and and the you know the positive and negative sides of that that you you wind up missing things because you're doing something that you think is just going to take a minute and you look up and it's hours later and and that was the first time i think that i i read something where i as an adult where i'm like oh this is this is my brain um this is how i experience creativity and it was, uh, it, it's a book that I, I reread, I, I don't know how many times I reread it, but anytime I was kind of down or stuck or something, I would reread it because it, because he comes out of the slump. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, that was one, as far as seeing, you know, my own experience, honestly, that's one of the reasons that. Um, I say one of, that is the reason that I made Elma York Southern, uh, because Mm -hmm. it is not, I'd seen Southern characters before. I'd I'd seen Southern women. I'd seen, you know, certainly Sherry Priest is doing that. Um, I'd never seen anyone who was specifically presented as, um, you know, here is a... Here's a really smart Southern woman. Yeah, you know, like all of the other women were their 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 protagonist attributes were not uh, their their brains. Um, and I was taught to scrub my, you know, not consciously taught. So no one said it to right. me, but I was taught to <laughs> scrub my accent out, which is again, you know, that's a thing that happens to a lot of people. Um, so I. 
I, I wrote Elma because I wanted to see that. I wanted to see uh, that that aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know what I would have sounded like. I have no idea what my na- my natural accent is. I do an accent for her, but you know, and when I'm talking like this, like I am, I, I'm I'm doing things, and and I know that to people down here, like, because I'll use this when I go into a store sometimes, because it it just makes it easier. Yeah. But I don't think that's my natural accent. I think that's me sounding like my cousins, um, mm-hmm. you know, and. And even to them, I sound Southern. I sound naturally Southern, but I don't really sound like I'm from around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love that character, by the way. I, I, yeah. we, it's, it's funny. We've been, Will, Nick and myself, we've been talking a lot about who we want on the show and stuff like that. And obviously we've been wanting to talk to you and, and thank you for giving us your time obviously today. But, um, but I hadn't, I read all audiobooks and I consume them pretty quick. So I actually, read your lady astronaut series within three days. Oh, wow. Two book. And I just buzz through them. And I, and I love your narration. I love the accents. <laughs> I love, and, and I just wanted to, we've talked about audiobooks. you and I yeah. on the boat a couple of times and, and I, and I love audiobooks. and your narration was, it's phenomenal. Oh, and, and, and it's interesting how you say, you know, you don't know what your accent really is, but um, that character definitely had a voice. So thanks. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. <laughs> And that was actually a, a that was a question that I had to answer um, when I sat down to record the audiobook because mm-hmm. what what I think Elma does is the same thing that like my mom does. My mom code switches like you would not believe. She um, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, which has a very different accent than Tennessee. Um, but she's from Tennessee, and she is specifically from a, a family that was quite poor. Uh, like she had literally a dirt floor at, in childhood, um, not oh, wow. for her entire childhood, but like you know, depression. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she made a conscious choice to uh, to change class, and so she changed her accent as part of that because it's a class marker in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is other places, but really a lot here too. Uh, and then when we were in Raleigh, it's a, you know, it's a different accent. So she, she matches that accent, but then she does fundraising and a lot of the fundraisers, she's talking to people who have, it's the research triangle park. So they've transplanted down from you know, other places and she would seamlessly dial up and dial down how much accent she had depending on who she was talking to. And I think Elma would do that as well, that she would, and and I know a lot of like mom is not unique in that, but I think Elma would actually dial up and down how much accent she, she had. And so when I had to decide what voice to use for narration, I actually, I, I was like, you know, I think that her speaking voice, she probably doesn't, actually have a visible an audible southern accent for most of it but i made the decision to dial it up a little bit because i'm like the whole point is to represent this accent Mm -hmm. and so i i do some code switching with her but not not as much or to the degree that i think uh that that i think she really would have i just liked it whenever she was you know, snipping at someone or something like that, it would definitely dial up. And I, I love those moments. <laughs> oh, yes. We will get, honey, I will just bless your heart. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Fran, Fran Wilde and I once had a um, a nice off, um, which is. Is that a nice off? Oh, yeah. Oh okay. yeah, no, you you do not want a southerner to get real nice. <laughs> like, well, honey, I just know you're doing the best you can. Oh man. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. That's great. Uh, I have never seen anyone wear an outfit like that. Oh, oh, aren't man. you just something? The nicer the worse it gets. <laughs> oh, it's so <laughs> Yeah, and and like we were both sweating while just smiling at each other. That is so funny. <laughs> so when you started writing, because um, I look at like you know uh, 
your books and everything, and it's uh, very like uh, steeped in history. Is it because, you know, history has fascinated you with that and you wanted to add those science fiction and fantasy elements? Um, like what, why a lot of historical? Yeah, uh, chicken and egg, chicken and egg. Um, mm-hmm. My For context, uh, my brother has a PhD in history. Um, That's awesome. My, okay. Yeah. My okay. grandmother, uh, my aunt, everybody was teachers. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I have always been fascinated with history. I don't have to be rigorous about it this way. <laughs> but, or rather, I'm still rigorous, but I don't have to show my work. Like, I don't have right. to do footnotes. I don't have to do a bibliography. I mean, I do a bibliography <laughs> because I'm a nerd. But, but point being, I get to have all of the fun without having to do academic citations. Right. Uh, but the other reason that I like writing historical stuff um, is that there, there are patterns that repeat in our society. Um, and there are patterns that repeat across cultures. And also there are patterns that are like wildly different from culture to culture. And when you start looking at at history, you start to see those patterns and it helps you understand your own place in the present. Um, it helps you understand things that might be coming. And it helps you spot the things that you think are universal that are not universal, that that are new things. So, um, like, I, you know, reading the Lady Astronaut series, um, I feel like there it deals with a lot of, like, sexism, uh, racism, also climate change that is so relevant in 2020. And I, I feel like what books can really do is kind of take you out of 2020 and give you this framework of how you can discuss things in a non-confrontational way. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So it, it is the other, I mean, I think that you can do that sort of distancing from a a problem with, um, any form of science fiction and fantasy that it, that this is one of the strengths that our genre brings to conversations. But when you throw in history, it it really does allow people to, to draw parallels to modern day. And the other thing about it is that they can't say, oh, no, that's too far-fetched if you're throwing something at them that actually happened. Like right. every piece of sexism that is in that book is something that happened that either was documented uh, in in something that I read, or happened to someone that I know, or happened to me, um, like, and it's real tempting to say that this stuff is historical, and it is not. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it is uh, sadly not. And the same thing for the racism. Like the the thing that I think that I did, and I, I keep saying this in interviews. So <laughs> forgive me for people who've heard me say this before, but. <laughs> Um, the thing that I think that I did in this book is not to talk about sexism and racism. Um, it is to just not ignore it. Mm-hmm. Like the book is about an asteroid hits the earth and let's get off the planet. Um, and I just didn't ignore the fact that this, uh, these things affect the way people move through the world. That's, right. that's the choice that I made. In those scenes that you're writing, when Alma or any one of the characters deals with something like sexism, racism, are those scenes hard to write? Is it is it like because there's certain scenes like I've written that I'm I've internalized something that's happened to me, and then when I put it on paper, it is sometimes cathartic. Other times, it's it's even more upsetting because I put it out there. What is that relationship with you? So all of the scenes with uh, the racism um, where Elma is being the, the clueless white lady, th- those are all scenes that um, I have been the clueless white lady um, and had uh, had a friend do the, the hard emotional labor of, of correcting me. Um, I, I, I let Elma learn faster than I do. And, and I think part of the uh, part of the difficulty was, remembering to not let her learn too fast. Um, like I have to actually let her fuck this up. Mm-hmm, right. Sorry. No, I didn't no, ask you if cursing was okay. No, <laughs> it's fine. Cause I'm like a truck driver. It's totally fine. Oh, great. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> good, good. I'm like a sailor. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, so that was, 
I don't know that that was hard, except remembering that, you know, I actually have to let, I have to give her some consequences for these mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, that she can't just, you know, skate away and, and everything is, is fine. Like, right. you know, her, her relationship with Florence in Faded Sky is always uneasy. Um, right. You know, they, they get along because they have to. Um, but that's, uh, that's not because Elma suddenly becomes someone that, that Florence knows that she can trust and count on to not hurt her again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because Florence is like, well, this is the job and, and this is the world that I live in. Um, so those are, those are, those are, I guess, sometimes difficult. The, the sexism things, um, the ones that are based two things one is uh dealing with people who read them and go oh i'm so glad this kind of thing doesn't happen now oh yeah, yeah. and like, and i'm just like mm. yeah um, no it's 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 been a especially in the last month or so it's been a lot of yeah conversations along those lines and people yeah. and the, the conversations I've had with folks, it's just like, you really think this is brand new? Like yeah. this well, is the, something that is still going. Yeah. It still happens every day, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Uh, on, on so many different fronts. <laughs> One of the things that I've been realizing myself, uh, because, you know, for those who are uh, deeply steeped in science fiction and fantasy, there've been a couple of people who've been called out, um, and some of them I'm, I'm you know, like three of them in a row I, I've been friends with. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I realized, um, actually, there, there were four um, and three of them. Uh, what I realized was that I had had a negative experience with them as my first or second encounter and oh, really? said something to them. And they never did that thing again. And I was like, oh, that was easy. This person's totally great. If you just tell them, they don't do it. Except that what I didn't think about was that they are con- they were continuing to do it to other people who didn't. Just not around you. Right. Right. Um, the fourth person uh, had, I had never had any negative encounters with. And when I looked at patterns of who was calling them out versus um you know the like when i when i looked at again using the historical thing when i looked at the various patterns i'm like hmm you know there is there is actually a a pattern here and it is not it is not the pattern that this person is terrible uh it is but there is a pattern of this other person doing um some gaslighting oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of <laughs> I'm going to treat this one a little bit differently. Um, but it was, it was interesting to, to kind of remind myself that um, how often we, uh, uh, we give people a pass, but also we give cultures a pass. It's like, Oh, they've, they've fixed this one thing. So therefore the underlying problem is gone. And that's, right. that's not actually how that works. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I like about, I love about um, the Elma character is the relationship with, with uh, Parker mm. and, and the idea that she is constantly calling him out and challenging him. But like, it's, I like how their relationship kind of evolves, especially towards the end of, of, of Faded Sky for sure, because there's an understanding now between them, I think. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know. I just, I, what was I, I want to ask something about about that character, but that relationship in particular um, is so, that kind of similar to what we we're talking about, or is that yeah. come from somewhere else? Mm, uh, yeah. So Parker is based on um, on a puppeteer that I I worked with, um, and I, I'm not going to say his name because he uh, he comes after me every time I mention him. Um, oh, no worries. <laughs> uh, but anyone who's in the puppetry community will immediately know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> And it, it's not hard to figure out, actually. But um, I had been friends with him for 15 years and had seen him do this thing. Everybody knew that he did this, that he would pick one person in every production to hate. 
mm-hmm. and that they would be the source of all of the problems on that production. And he would make their life miserable and do all sorts of emotional abuse. And everybody in the production is like, don't worry. It's this, just this guy. We all know that you are not the terrible person. We have your back. Don't worry about it. And they would, but he still kept getting cast even though right. everybody knew that he did this terrible thing. And I I know that I had had those conversations with people where I'm like, don't worry, it's not you. And I know it sucks, but, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just him. Um, and, he, you know, he's super talented. Um, he's a really generous teacher. That was one of the things that I took to give to Parker is this guy is a super generous teacher. Yeah. Even to someone he is, treating like shit if he the the if the dynamic shifts to teacher student he is like patient and generous um and and uh and then we worked on a show together um it was the first time we'd worked together and i was the person he picked to hate oh man and uh i would um i'm i'm actually sweating talking about him right now oh. um <sighs> But I would walk off the set, go into the bathroom, sob, wash my face, walk back out, uh, and and he would he would do all sorts of things to subtly sabotage in ways that you couldn't call out. Um, and and after and and and, and like two years afterwards, um. He, he tried to get me fired while we were on the show. Um, oh. Did not succeed. Tried twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't succeed. I, I mentioned that in passing to someone um, who then, Lord knows why, went to him and said, did you try to do this? And his response was to write a 700-word f- email to me blind CC people that I know lie, say that I had been fired when I actually worked on the show longer than he did. Like, um, like it was just filled with lies and gaslighting and vitriol. And, um, like there's, I, and, and the thing that is upsetting, I think to me is that, he did so much damage. I had, like, I, I will still occasionally have a nightmare about him. Um, yeah. But if I could fix that relationship, like, if that, if, if he came back and said, you know what, I did X number of years of therapy and I am super sorry and these are the things that I did wrong, I'd be like, hey, dude, let's, you know, it's really good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, upsetting to me that and and also it's it's upsetting to me that that is an instinct that i still have that that i still want that friendship there um but at the same time i also feel like that it is one of the better aspects of my nature (laughs) um it's a dangerous aspect because i do want to be forgiving and understanding but also at the same time that's how that happened is because i didn't because i did cut him slack um and and so with Parker, what I wanted to do was like, you know, what what would have happened if this guy had made better choices, if he had actually listened to people talking to him, if he had not had a choice about it? Like Parker does not have a choice. He is trapped with these people for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also shit goes down. But oh. um, yeah, so I, I wrote the ridiculous redemption arc that will never happen with this other guy um right for sure (laughs) uh, and i and i think most of the time it doesn't um but i also i know people um that it has happened with and also and i and i also think about all of the friends who did emotional labor with me and it's like you know you you don't you don't get me uh now without the me in the past fucking up repeatedly. Mm -hmm. I think it brings a type of humility. You know, when you can admit your faults and, you know, learn from it. Um, Was it cathartic for you then to write Parker? Like, was it like, 
in some ways, like that's like as closure as much as you're going to have. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of like, I, I don't tend to do therapy books. Um, I mean, I, I will totally mine my own experience. Um, but yeah, that is that is as close to closure as I'm going to get. And I think that's part of I mean, I, I know that is part of why. Um, uh, you know, I, I also. Are these spoilers? Huh. These may so be the spoilers for Relentless book. Moon. For Martian Contingency. These may be spoilers. Okay. Yeah. I. I yeah. We can always tag it. There's minor spoilers or something nah, too. No, nah, I'm going to, because it, it may also <laughs> lock me in and I may change my mind. Okay, gotcha. Amazing. <laughs> so, Marshall, what else do you want? Do you want to ask something else? No, I was going to say, well, before we get to the new, uh, or the book that's coming out soon, um, just, I, I, I really like how you, I don't know, I, one of my favorite aspects of the series is how you deal with race um, in the book. And um, the scene that sticks out to me in Faded Sky is when, you know, uh, the note is, is put up, uh, and then there's the fight that, you know, almost in between in the middle of, and I, 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 there was, there was a lot of things going on in that scene. And that's why I brought up the Parker part because there was an understanding there as well um, around that incident and how what's going on at home has to be different than what's happening on the ship. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the mix of folks that are on that ship. So I think, I think, I think it was done really well. And I just want to talk to you about that relationship about, you know, the two, those two characters in particular, but um, how you handled race and, and, on the ship and, and at home, I thought was really well done. So um, Thank you. those pe- people that haven't read the book, if they haven't read the series, um, definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks. Um, so that is actually also another attribute of, of, of this dude. Um, uh, he was, uh, and, and you know, like people are complicated. He was a really big advocate for um, puppetry is real white, just mm-hmm, in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. it it looks like it's not because you only see the puppets. Uh, you get below the frame, and it's it's real it's <laughs> real real white. Um, and he was a very strong advocate for um, for getting puppeteers of color into shows, and would bring them in as assistants in order to give them the um the the resume and, and the the experience. Uh, and he would you know throw them into shots anytime he could. Um, and and it's like you 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 want people to be terrible all the way down, you know. Yeah, uh, right. it's so much simpler, and 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 that uh, and they aren't. Um, and you want people to be good all the way through, and and they aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. it's it's really frustrating. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, that scene. Um, I remember that that was a scene that I had been looking forward to writing, but mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was based on anything on a particular incident. I see. So. Let's talk about Relentless Moon. Pitch it to us. All right. Uh, Relentless Moon is a spy novel in space. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I don't know. Um, so it's a parallel novel to The Faded Sky, for those mm-hmm. people who uh, haven't read any of them. I, I carefully wrote it so you can actually read it as the first book in the series. Um, I had several beta readers who had not read anything else. Um, in an ideal world, you will have read at least Calculating Stars, um, but I'm actually okay with you reading Faded Sky or Relentless Moon in either order. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get spoilers for one going one direction and spoilers for another going the other direction. But I carefully, I carefully let you know that bad things happen, but not how. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so there's still suspense either way. Um, it is uh, from the point of view of Nicole Morgan, who is the wife of the governor of Kansas. She was one of the first lady astronauts selected in the same class as Elma. Um, she's a pilot. Uh, she's over 50. Um, and, uh, she's, uh, tensions on earth are real bad. Um, people are not happy about all of the money being thrown into the space program. And, uh, so there's a group of extremists who decide to sabotage it and, uh, Nicole and friends have to try to stop them. 
in space. <laughs> I love it. What was um what was different about writing Nicole as the main um character um versus Alma? So Alma um in in both things like I, I said that I, I tend to try to reverse engineer. It's like, well, why did that work? Mm-hmm. Um and I think one of the things that worked with Elma was that I gifted her with um a, a larger piece or a very specific piece of my personality. Um, and, uh, and that was, um, that was her, her journey with mental illness. Um, like I don't have social anxiety disorder, uh, just in case anyone who's ever met me is surprised by this surprise. <laughs> that is not a problem I have. Um, <laughs> depression I deal with, uh, and the, the not wanting to admit that for, for far too long. But, uh, so that that journey is what I gifted Elma with. Um, I gifted her with my uh, my southernness, uh, my my mom's. Uh, but what will people think? Uh, constant refrain. Um, what I gave Nicole was my rage. <laughs> I like that, and that was um, deeply satisfying to write, um, especially. Uh, when I was doing the, when I was narrating the audiobook, the book plays real different now than when I wrote it. Um, but being able to say some of those lines like now uh, was very satisfying. Um, so that, I think that was one of the biggest differences um they, they're just their personnel it's funny because i've gifted them both with aspects of myself but they're such different people mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh the other thing oddly uh that was hard with nicole was voice elmo was really easy because i'm like oh okay i can let all of the southern out because uh, even if i don't pronounce the words the phrasing is still there and that was a problem with nicole because i had to watch for things that were southern idioms or phrasings um that that she would never have done like she could not bless anyone's heart unless she was referencing elma she grows up you know she grew up in the midwest yeah um you know i couldn't um uh i had to watch for for some sentence constructions like we'll we'll throw in extra prepositions for unknown reasons um <laughs> It's like, I'm not going to the store. I'm going to go on over to the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why Why do you need those extra words? And I have why? no idea. <laughs> yeah. You just do. Um, I'm fixing to go on over to the store is actually probably, that would be Elma. But um, right. so those, those things, but mostly it's just that Nicole is a very angry woman. There's a line that she says pretty deep in the book where um, it's something like, um, that that she, I can't now I can't remember that my own line, but it it is something about how she is fundamentally not a nice person. Um, oh wow! And that okay. she is selfish <laughs> and vindictive, and works very hard to not be because she wants to be. You know, that's not who she wants to be. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Hi, that's me on the page. I'm fundamentally not nice. Um, I'm I am kind and generous, but I'm not actually nice. Uh, and uh, and and fight like I'm I have had a temper my entire life as I mentioned earlier with Meg that I have um, worked to channel into productive rage uh, but it is frequently the thing that drives me um, like all right this is wrong how do we fix this thing uh, yeah <laughs> I don't have a yeah. usually I try to be like hey guys look uh, let me hang on let me fix that hey folks <laughs> <laughs> so hard to train guys out of my vocabulary right hey folks it looks like there's a problem here what can we do to to, to help let's fix this go team <laughs> <laughs> go team oh my gosh that's hilarious that is so funny so the calculating stars came out and uh, relentless moon is like you know in that universe and it like I mean, in my, in my opinion, and just looking at the reviews, and you won the Locus Award, the Nebula Award, the Hugo Award for Calculating Stars. It, like, exploded, right? Did it feel like it, did it, feel like it exploded to you? Yeah, it really did. Did not expect any of that. 
So told you. <laughs> Random surprise. So with <laughs> that, like, what has been the most, like, wonderful thing to come out of this? Like, what has been, like, the readers and, like, when you meet people who talk about your work, like, what has that been like as an artist to hear people be so excited about this? The thing that um, pleases me most about the book, like, I will I will get people... Um, I will get people who I, I just had one the other day uh, from uh, a Jewish man growing up in, who grew up in Savannah, and he said that this was the very first time he, he'd he'd read Southern protagonist. He'd read Jewish protagonist. He had never read a Southern Jew before, and and seeing Yiddish with a Southern accent on the page, the way his parents and grandparents spoke it, you know that 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 he didn't realize how much that was lacking. Um, and and having a couple of those people say say things like that that they didn't realize that that seeing themselves on the page in that way was the moment when they understood why representation mattered mm-hmm. because it they hadn't understood what they were missing that that is gratifying um, but the thing that makes me um, honestly weepy. Uh, is the people who write to me and say that they got therapy for the first time because of Elma. Oh, wow. That that they hadn't, like this one woman said, that the thing that happens with Elma when she's, you know, she, when she's, when she's can't, she can't breathe and she's, uh, she's like, what is that called? I've never seen that. That's happened to me my entire life. And, and I'm like, that's called a panic attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need, you know, this is, this isn't, please, you know, go talk to a doctor. There are, there's medication and treatment and, uh, and, and the fact that she was an adult and no one had told her that that was not the way she had to live. Right. I mean, Surprise! Did not expect that when I wrote the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that has been uh, the the explosion that I have been happiest about and saddest about because it really underscores how badly we fail at mental health in this country. That people are learning about their yeah. own brain for the first time from a science fiction novel, while they right. are fully formed adults who have been functioning in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. That's, yeah. yeah. Thank God I brought tissue into the booth. I'm going to just turn <laughs> away from the microphone right now. No, it's <laughs> Sorry, we didn't, made it, we didn't mean to make you cry. Hey, uh, <laughs> it's a good interview because that means that you're asking me hard and difficult questions that are uh, not the same ones that I always get. So good job. Thanks. And, and also for, for making this a place that I feel uh, safe and uh, I trust you and I trust your listeners. So... Oh, I am yeah. happy it's... to cry on uh, on microphone for you. If you saw who was in our Discord, you you would know. I mean, they're all <laughs> they're all WXR folks. People Aww. that you know, it's all it's all this community, and that's why one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on and and folks from the community is is because we want to keep that going. So, yeah, um, we do appreciate uh, your time today for sure. Um, do we? I know we're running I have, out. I have one more question. I have one more. So because this is just keep writing, I want to know, uh, Mary Robinette, what does keep you writing on the days when, you know, the world is maybe in a pandemic or like, you know, you're having a bad day or a good day? Like what really does motivate you to be a writer and a storyteller? Um, so on, on bad days, I, uh, I actually give myself permission to not write. Um, That's important. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't use to, and it, it actually made the depression worse. Um, so, so now I, what keeps me going is to remind myself that it's temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this is this is a state that I am in right now, and I will come out on the other side, and the writing will be there when I come out. Um, and on the days that are just like, nah. <laughs> uh, the thing that actually keeps me writing is a website called uh, forthewords.com. Um, I evangelize about this uh, kind of all the time, but they have done a really excellent job of 
creating um, a community around this role playing game uh, where you the the way you defeat monsters is the number of words you write and the time in which you write them. But the thing about it's a, it, it's a really cool website. Oh, it's so good, <laughs> and the art's very pretty. Um, and they're not—they're yeah. good people. Like they're not—they're yeah. not nice. They're good people. Yeah. Um, and they—I will write to earn a pair of wings in ways that I will not write for a paycheck. Uh, but what it, <laughs> what it really fundamentally does is it externalizes, um, the things that it. it it takes stuff that is happening in your brain uh, and about the way you're relating to your to to the the work of writing, not the not the creative part, but the work of the sitting down and the 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 slogging through. Or, um, and it it externalizes it, and it gives you a reward because one of the problems that we have, I think, as writers in the digital age, is that at the end of the day, when we finish writing, I close my computer and there is no evidence that I've done anything. You know, once upon a time, like when I when I started back in the day, I had to write longhand on a legal pad. Um, but like there were legal pads stacked up. Right. It's like, yeah, I wrote. Look at how much I wrote. Mm-hmm. Look at the stack. And, you know, and and now I'm like, yeah, I wrote. Look at my wings. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is great. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, so, I just remember you—you you, uh, got a lot of us working on that website on the boat last year, and yeah. it was—it was fun to to have another way to just keep moving along. You know, yeah. there's a few more words, and you get something cool, and you defeat a monster, and you know, it's—it's—it really does make it uh, make it easier. Yeah. So. Um, the the other thing that I'll say, because not every so gamification actually makes some people worse. Um, that it. it mm-hmm causes stress and it, it, it makes them unhappy. So the the other thing that I would say for people who are like, you know, how do you how do you keep going, uh, especially when the world is on fire, is to make a bargain with yourself um, about some really small thing. Uh, and for me, it's three sentences a day. So, um, you know, on the days where I'm like, I'm not sure if it is uh, depression or laziness or distraction because you know the my narrative brain is being eaten by um pandemic and civil unrest and injustice um what i do is i'm like okay you have to write three sentences and some days those sentences are literally uh it's i'm tired it's late i don't want to do this um but most of the time, what happens is that those three sentences turn into a paragraph, um, and sometimes they turn into a couple of pages. So, you know, pick pick a pick a goal that is incredibly small. Mm-hmm. Don't don't pick the lofty lofty goal. Pick some goal that is incredibly small that you can actually do. Uh, that you can do even when like think about. Don't think about when you're, you know, like, could you do this when you're depressed? Don't, don't think about that. Uh, think about like, if you had the flu, um, the actual flu, not the 1918 one, but mm-hmm. just, you know, the regular run of mill yeah. flu. Um, if you had the flu, if you, you know, had full on aches, pains, you know, stuffy head fever, that whole, that whole thing, what could you do? Could you, could you do three sentences? then that's a great thing. If you think that it's like, yeah, you know, on a day like that, I could actually write a page. Then I'm like, okay, that's your goal. If you're like, you know what? Uh, I, I know myself and, and I could do maybe five words. I'm like, great. That's your goal. You do five words every day. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. No. Uh, just thank you so much for um, being on the show today. Is there anything coming up you want to tell people about dates, important dates? This will release actually today and uh, not today, tomorrow or Tuesday. So. Um, yeah. Uh, well, oh, okay. Uh, so Tuesday um, is the launch for The Relentless Moon. Um, and at Parnassus Books, I say at, uh, since I am, of course, not going anywhere. <laughs> um, but what we've done is we've created a virtual astronaut training center that you can come to for some immersive theater as part of my book launch. Um, oh, there will awesome. be costume characters. Uh, Anthony Rapp is going to be there as Parker. 
Um, Adriel Walden will be there as Myrtle. Myrtle. I'm going to be there as Nicole um, and a bunch of other costumed actors, including um, one of my favorites uh, who is 12, I think, 14, uh, who's playing Daisy. Uh, Daisy is a (laughs) card-carrying member of the Lady Astronaut Club, and she can't wait to grow up and be a pilot. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So cool. Uh, so, uh, so you can go to, uh, Parnassus, actually just go to my website. It has all of the, we'll we'll put that in the show notes for sure (laughs) that I am doing because, uh, for all of the fact that I can't go anywhere, my book tour is actually quite full. Yeah. You're slammed. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Uh, we, we appreciate you taking the time and chatting with us and um, we'll have to do it again for sure. Yeah, yeah, so good great. to talk to both of you. I can't wait to read Relentless Moon. I've been waiting for it Same. since uh, it was told that you were coming out with more books in the Lady Astronaut series. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited. So are my sisters because we're all going to read it together. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Awesome. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. Check out our website at justkeepwriting.org. You can find links to our social media and Discord channel in the show notes, as well as any other links mentioned during the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash just keep writing. Thanks for listening. Now just keep writing.